0: Welcome to Peace and All Good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta's own Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer, a five episode unique series exploring God filled life experiences with parishioners. Brought to you in part by the Catholic Foundation of North Georgia and moderated by Father Michael Silloway on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio.
1: I'm your host, Father Michael Silloway, pastor of Christ, our King and Savior, Catholic Church out in Greensboro, Georgia, and we're here in studio today with the Archbishop again and two very special guests, and we're going to talk about a mighty theme today. We are diving into a reality that is so powerful that St. Paul himself could only compare it to the total, free, faithful, and fruitful gift of our Lord's life on the cross, a topic no other than marriage, the holy sacrament of matrimony. So before we dive in and, and introduce our guests today, Archbishop, would you kindly lead us in an opening prayer?
2: Sure, I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty and eternal God, you blessed the union of married couples so that they might reflect the union of Christ with his church. Look with kindness on all married people renew their marriage covenant, increase their love for one another, and strengthen their bond of peace, so that with their children, they may always rejoice in the gift of your blessing. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, Archbishop. So we are joined in studio
1: today by Erica and Ray Lindholm from Holy Spirit Catholic Church. And uh, the way we're going to discuss this beautiful topic of marriage today with you guys is we want to first take this first segment, this first half of our show today, to to talk about your story. And then after the break, we'll come back and we'll talk about your work in marriage preparation because you guys have been doing that for a good number of years here in the Archdiocese. Yeah,
3: a couple of years.
1: Awesome. So um, all you listeners of AM 1160 The Quest, I'd like
2: you to meet Erica and Ray Lindholm.
3: Hello. Hi. (laughs)
2: It is good to see you again. Yeah. Very good to see you. Full disclosure, we actually know each other. Yes. Uh, from years past when I was a pastor here uh, at uh, St. Philip Benizi in Jonesboro mm-hmm. and uh, was able to celebrate uh, a sacrament with you.
4: Yeah, I, um, I always want to say Father Gregory.
2: That's all right.
4: <laughs> <laughs> um Archbishop t- helped bring me into the church, too. So it's not just that he happened to be my pastor, but he set a beautiful example of Christ's love that brought me to the Catholic faith.
2: Uh, awesome.
1: So. And we didn't know that when we were planning out this episode. No, yeah. This was just one of those beautiful, I, providential yeah. things. I
2: didn't know it until I walked into the room. Yeah. <laughs> it was great to see you both. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, Ray and Erica, um, I think it'd be great if uh, just in dialogue here with the archbishop, just kind of share with us the bits of your story and um, how it is that you came to not only meet one another, but fall in love and and kind of the the beautiful journey.
4: Well, I I think I'd have to say it started um, in my search as a teenager. Like, um, I had had this natural search for meaning, and I um, came across the Catholic Church through a good friend, and then I came across um, Pope St. John Paul II. And as this teenager who's kind of like, you know, feeling rebellious against the culture she was in. Um, His words were like um, water for someone in the desert. Like it was beautiful and deep. And then I converted to the faith and had great role models in my life, the Franciscans at our parish. And I really thought I was going to be a sister because I felt like God called me to this faith. And all I, you know, I never, um, I never dreamed about being a mom and and a wife and i i was like i i loved being an intellectual and wanted to teach and um so i just thought that was the natural path and i I never stopped to think like what does god want for me i just thought this is this is what it is and um i met ray and i thought you know he was very intelligent he was good looking but that didn't matter (laughs) um but uh he can give his side, but, you know, we, he would question me about things, and I was so on fire. I was just ready to, you know, give my apologetics, and um, I think our relationship really started there.
1: Sounds like what the kids these days call missionary dating.
4: <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I didn't know it, though. It wasn't on purpose, but... Um...
3: Yeah, she didn't even think we were dating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, so we met on, um, on AOL, uh, and I was not... I mean, yes, I was looking for things that were deep and meaningful, but um, had basically at that point assumed that um, the God that I had uh, come to believe existed, if there existed any God at all, was not one that was um, uh, put forth by any organized religion. So I was kind of agnostic at the time, and it was uh, it was actually on my birthday, and um I found myself uh, with no friends, and, and you know, all, all, all my best friends were living in other countries or across the country, and I was by myself, and I was like, oh, I'll just go on AOL, and I'll see, you know, who's out there to to talk to, and that's when I came across Erica's profile when she was a freshman at UGA, and um, she had this quote on there uh, at the end. It was, non abiate paura, um, and I reached out to her, and um, I just kind of, direct messaged her back then we called it instant messaging and um, and asked her what it was and um, and that started a, a whole conversation that led to us sitting here today I never would have guessed
1: well don't leave us hanging what, yes. what does it mean
3: <laughs> And part so of his Italian it means actor. be not afraid. Uh, And she started to um, tell me about how she was Catholic. And I was raised in a a Christian school that was associated with my kind of evangelical, non-denominational church growing up. And um, we had used the Bob Jones University curriculum, and they taught us all about those Catholics. And I was a little bit shocked when she said she had converted to Catholicism. Um, I was like, oh, people still do that? I didn't realize that that was a thing. Mm-hmm. And she started to describe to me a view of God that um, I didn't believe the Catholic Church taught. And it aligned very closely with what I had through my own reason and intellect kind of come to say, like, if there's a God, these are the attributes that I think they would have. And 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 so I remember her asking me specifically, you know, um, do you believe in God? And I was like, you know, I'm not sure. I don't I don't know. And, and then something along the lines of, well, who do you think God would be if, if there is a God? And then I remember right at the same time I typed God is love, right Right when she typed the exact same thing. I was like, oh. And so then she started to tell me about the, you know, Catholic Church and, and all these different things. And the first Mass I went to was um, the then uh father greg was was preaching, and um, you know it 's just the Holy Spirit because his homily reaffirmed all the things that she had been telling me for the past you know several months, and I was like, okay, so maybe they do actually teach that this is who god is and 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 um, so it was very much like uh, a, a revealing like a like a uh, like a finding um my way home rather than finding you know get, get converting or coming to something. So we, we kind of chatted online for, um, for a number of months, and, and we finally talked to each other on the phone later that year in December. And after a couple of weeks, uh, I remember we had this one telephone conversation, and it started at, like, you know, 7 at night. And the next thing I knew, the sun was coming up, and I was like, oh, boy.
4: And that's <laughs> back when long distance was very expensive. We had some oh, wow. very big... <laughs>
3: For for being you know poor, poor college, college students, students yes. <laughs> we had some very big phone bills, <laughs> and we knew all the different like tricks. The like the one eight hundred you know discount long distance, mm-hmm. and we do that for ten minutes and hang up and then call back. And uh, so I flew down uh, uh, New Year's Eve that year and met Erica in person for the first time, and wow. um, she took me to church shortly after that. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and then I ended up uh, moving down in '99, and I've been here ever since. So that was kind of the start of things. And I remember, like, we would get into these discussions about you know different teachings of the of the Catholic Church, and and I remember like asking her about transubstantiation. It's like, well, but what about transubstantiation? Like, you can't really believe that. She would always have these incredible answers that didn't necessarily convince me intellectually, but they were so beautiful that they robbed me of my desire to argue with them. like It presented to me a picture of 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 beauty that basically said like um, if that were true, wouldn't that be just wonderful? And from there it was um, that 's where faith comes in because then you start to take that step towards that beauty. And then it starts to become more real, and 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 you begin to to see the world through that lens in in a way that that removes the the cynicism and and removes the you know the intellectual arrogance and opens you up to a deeper experience of life.
2: It sounds like uh, divine providence. I like Right? Yeah. Uh, you might attribute it to coincidence or luck or good fortune, but really it sounds like uh, it was grace mm-hmm. that brought you together and that um, you you gave yourselves time to become friends mm-hmm. and to begin to trust each other and speak about important things that, you know, each of you were maybe in different places in the beginning, but you listened to each other and uh, yeah. you saw that, the faith of Erica meant something to her and the way she lived her life. Yeah, and definitely. that impressed you. And And then you found out that the teachings and the beliefs between your understanding of what religion might be um, were not that dissimilar to right. Erica's. Um, and so that's how God works. He works through us. He works directly. He works through I mean, the St. Augustine
4: Word. has a great quote. I don't I'm going to butcher it, but it's something that God will sometimes work through a woman, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think about that a lot of oh, times. Yes.
3: And you see it over and over again.
2: Well, he did that with Mary.
3: Yeah. yeah. That's kind or of how particular. he rolls, right? Right. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah, and we always joke about yeah. that when, when like, um, you know, you, you just see the way that that women shape uh, a man's view yeah. or, or um, you know, experience of the world. And you see, like, women bring culture and they and they bring um, the men to a higher understanding of themselves and the world around them.
2: They have a different uh, sensibility I yes, think. Absolutely. Uh, and they complement. That's what marriage is, mm-hmm. a complement of of man and woman and mm-hmm. I think that's exactly how God wanted it mm-hmm. and intended it to be as a complement
4: mm-hmm. uh,
2: to one another.
4: Amen. <laughs> and
2: uh, so I think that has already been demonstrated to you in your own marriage as it began uh, uh, 20 years ago or more. And uh, and boy, what, what a 20 years it has been, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's more to the story.
4: Yes. So um, we finished college together. Um, I was majoring in um, language studies, linguistics, and religious studies. Because um, I didn't want to, I still had this, you know, Interest in religion, um, even though I wasn't going to be a sister, um, and he was a violin major,
3: performance major,
4: yeah, performance yeah. major. So um, I kind of looked at, you know, the the be not afraid. I was particularly quoting Pope John Paul II when he came out to give his first like inaugural address, you know, and that was so powerful to me, and um, and I kind of thought about that like in terms of thinking about the vocation of marriage. It's like, be not afraid, you know? I I knew that it was complicated. I knew that my family of origin had a very complicated, um, you know, experience with marriage. Um, I could look at the outside world and say, you know, I don't really like how this is being done. And so I just, you know, we we sat down and, and I, I think maybe a lot of couples don't get this opportunity, but we like really fleshed out, what is it that we want? What are we looking for? What do we think marriage is? And maybe because we're both very stubborn and like to talk a lot, you know, (laughs) we we laid out some of this stuff before we even got married. We took advantage of whatever opportunities came up for uh, marriage prep, which at the time was kind of unheard of. Like, oh, you have to go like you have to go meet with somebody and, you know, which we would hear from people we knew. Um, But we looked at it as opportunity. Like, why wouldn't you want to do this? You know, why wouldn't you want whatever you can have to, like, strengthen. So since we were together in college, um,
3: we got to, married. To be clear, I think that she was more gung-ho than I was about going to yes. marriage, marriage prep. prep. Okay, and maybe going a drug, to marriage drag them there. <laughs> and, you know, that's but, even,
1: but even as a, just a piece of the story before that would be the engagement itself. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you wouldn't mind sharing with uh, the Quest's radio audience here about the how the the proposal came about, like mm-hmm. what what did that event look like? If you don't mind sharing,
3: yeah. So, because
1: <laughs> I find there's always there's always some great nugget in these. There's always beautiful stories, and something goes wrong. Like there's there's always something fascinating about them.
3: Yeah. So we met in person for the first time at the beginning in January 1999, New Year's New Year's Eve, so December 31st, and. I spent um, about a week here, and then she came and visited me in Kansas City in February, and she spent two weeks there. And it was when she was there, um, we were uh, on the roof of um, the apartment complex that my, my brother lived in. It's on in this area of Kansas City called the Plaza. And it's a beautiful like art deco. It's very beautiful and it's it's overlooks this really, really neat area. And we were talking and I realized um I, I just had this flash of of how um you know first of all I was completely smitten with Erica. You know, she um since we had really started talking on the phone in in December like we talked for like it seems like thousands of hours like <laughs> we were talking all the time and um our our phone bills were certainly thousands of dollars and um and I just had this flash of who she was as a person that she was a person that was constantly seeking to grow and to become and that that's who she would continue to be and I realized right then that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. And so I just immediately got down on my knee and proposed to her. And we had only, like, really been in each other's physical presence for a couple weeks at that point. (laughs) But I felt like I knew her better than anyone I would known.
2: I told you there was going to be something interesting here. <laughs> so there was no ring.
3: There was no ring. No, I hadn't thought it out yeah. beforehand. It just it hit me and I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. And so I got down on my knees and I proposed. And she said yes. And then the next day she um, said to me, she's like, you know, that was kind of sudden. And if you're having second thoughts, it's okay. And I was like, no, let's do it. I wasn't Catholic yet. Um, I had already kind of decided I was going to look concretely into becoming Catholic. And that's what ensued kind of from that point on. And, um, you know, then it was um, a while before we let everybody know. And, of course, they yeah, were because
4: they thought we were they, I knew they, they were, thought we were, were insane. We were young <laughs> <laughs> you know, at the time. You don't think you're that young. But oh, we did not think we were young. Yes. But we were, we're very, very young. young. <laughs> Do you mind if we
3: ask how old you were at the time? I was 20. God bless. Yeah. Erica was 19. Yeah. She just turned nineteen. Do
4: not go on your honeymoon to Italy when you're that young and you get married because I don't believe you. No, <laughs> like I literally had to show people They're like Giovanni. Yes, Giovanni. <laughs> like we stayed at different convents and like traveled around and like, i like like had to show pictures and
3: like look, no. I, and everyone would be like, oh, so young. Yeah. And we'd be like,
4: <laughs> but so young. I think there was a you know a real benefit because I felt like we grew up together. We became adults together. Um, in a way, and you know, it seemed like we, we worked together. We we had to, to like kind of establish what our adult life was gonna be.
3: Yeah, we're kind of figuring it out together. Yeah, I
4: mean, I still feel like I'm figuring it out 20 Absolutely. years later, so. Um,
2: <laughs> had you finished uh, college?
4: We got married my senior year. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay.
4: And um, so we waited until graduation to take our honeymoon, which we did like 30 days in Europe. We chose Europe because I had these friends that would go to Rome to get the sposi novelli, the newlywed blessing from the Pope, and you know, and he was my hero, you know, outside of Jesus, um, and I felt like he, you know, had something to do with bringing me to the faith, to bringing us together, um, and so it was, it was really important, and. Um, we get there we get the tickets you know and it's just all this weird italian Crazy. bureaucracy of no it's impossible you can't. everybody
3: had a different story yeah, about so I'm where like, well, you're well, supposed to go happen. what and we you needed and everyone's like, no it's impossible <laughs> um
4: so
2: did you wear your or bring your wedding
3: dress yes we did we, did. we, did.
4: we get there and and one of the um Guard, you know, actually does let us in, and we're the very last. We kind of
3: snuck in. They, they ba- we basically got them to at least let us sit in the newly because they told us, "No, you can't do it."
4: It was like a date,
3: you know. Yep. Thing. Obviously,
4: we were not married within three months. We were married five months right, ago, right?
3: Because we had heard that as that long as forbid. it's before yes. six months, you oh, could do it. Because okay. everyone had a different story, yeah. but there, we got them to let us be in the newlywed section, and so we're sitting there, and it's so hot, yeah. and it's, it was May. Yeah, and so, and I'm like just totally, completely dehydrated. I wasn't expecting it to be that hot. <laughs> He's
4: wearing this very thick.
3: Yeah, and so, yeah, my wedding outfit had like this overcoat to it in addition to the suit. And so I uh, I went in the shade and everyone started lining up to go and, and receive the blessing. And I remember I thought, hmm, maybe we can just kind of sneak into the back there. And right as I started coming up the steps, Erica, I saw Erica come up and she's waving at me. And she's like, hey, maybe we can just kind of sneak in the back there.
4: I was like, okay. Just keep
3: going. Keep going. We're like, just don't make eye contact. (laughs) And there's this one guy in particular who kept being like, no, 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 you can't. You you know, you can't do it. It's impossible. And we were the last people. And he's sitting there and he looks at us and he kind of shrugs his shoulders. He's like, "Mm, okay, Okay. come on in. (laughs) So we were the last ones to go up.
4: But, um, you know, we knelt there and. And he wasn't doing it to everybody, but he put his hand on my face and, like, patted my cheek, and, yeah, you know, um, it was an amazing moment. I was speechless. You know, we we got up. We, we, you know, they take your photo. We got up and walked off, and I was just, like, it was a beautiful experience. And, you know, we came back with a baby. Yeah. So, uh... But friends and I that, you know, have also done this blessing. We joke and call it the fertility blessing because, you know, we <laughs> always come we always come back with a baby. But um it was it was beautiful and I'm so glad we got that opportunity. Um, I think he passed away 2 years after that. Yeah. After that.
3: So. Yeah. That's um, so close to his age. You were
2: blessed birthday. you were blessed by a saint. Yes, That's
4: right. I'm third class royalty. Third relic. class relic. Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> And what did you name your firstborn?
4: Maria Sophia.
2: Oh, okay.
3: And this is her now she's a freshman in college. It's our yeah. first. Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> it's our first year in college now. Oh. Wow.
1: It's beautiful just how how like St. John Paul II kind of was was part of your story. When did you uh, first encounter you mentioned it ever ever so briefly just about encountering the theology of the body that was his his catechesis for I think 6 years mm-hmm. of his papacy.
4: I think it was initially at a Theology on Tap.
1: Here in Atlanta? Yeah.
4: Nice. Yeah. I can't remember who the speaker was, but we just happened to Wasn't go. Was it Dr. Ravio? She was one of the early ones. I don't know if it was the first, okay. but um, and it's so countercultural. And I consider myself a, a feminist, but I, I'd say like a new wave feminist. And so much of his stuff is great, you know. And understanding the role of women, the role of women in salvation history, you know, is is pretty amazing. But, um,
2: for, for those who may not know what theology of the body is, could you summarize it uh, briefly? What were some of the high points or the things that you remember the most about um, why it became a theology of the body?
4: I think it was this unique, this view of this unique understanding of how the union of the man and woman uh, as this um, image of God. And it's very it's abstract, I guess, but just kind of seeing the, this very holy role that marriage has and kind of showing us God's love. Like yeah. what does that look like? It looks like a family.
2: It's a union.
4: Union. It's yes.
2: a community yes. just like the Trinity. And you learn to respect one another uh entirely, body and soul.
3: Yeah. Yes. It's a complete giving to yeah. each other. Yeah, the logic of the
2: gift. That's right. Yes. That's yeah. right. And it it puts a totally different spin on marriage. Yes. And and what marriage is meant to be and experienced and because as can happen very easily as when you become mother and father, you forget that you're also husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And, and the theology of the body keeps us mindful of the fact that we were first yes. husband and wife. And, and uh, yes, we're parents and we have responsibilities, but we also have a, we vowed to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's a very sacred, uh, sacred act. And, um, and to share one another completely right uh, and respectfully and we
4: even had the conversation of you and I come first yes yeah you know um, and I think as a mom in particular it's very easy to for the children you know to have, especially when they're young and they have so many needs um, but the theology of the body this this idea um, helps bring us back to um, our role and purpose and right. the gift to each other that that's we right. are
2: and, and that's a great example for your children to get an understanding at an early age of what marriage really is, Mm. what the role of a husband and wife is in the family. And children will learn, and they'll watch and observe. And uh, it's a great gift to give your children a beautiful understanding of what marriage is. Friends, we're going to take a break here in just a minute. But just before
1: we make that break, I wanted to see if right here at the end of the segment, if based on your experience of your marriage if if you had maybe a 10 second one little piece of advice that you would like to get out to people who are discerning marriage feeling called and drawn to marriage what would be that one single piece of advice that builds a, a healthy catholic marriage
4: um i would think like you know if you're thinking about marriage think about your partner being the person who gets you to heaven like that's their their role
3: yeah i i i like that i i was going to say if you know what she said (laughs) (laughs) i was going to say trust in god and be not afraid yeah you know it's the especially i think for us men the fundamental call to adventure right you cannot predict what the journey is going to hold for you but god's put you on that path for your sanctification and 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 for for your ultimate good
1: Amen. Friends, as we take this break, just uh, stay tuned with us here, because when we come back, we're going to hear more from Erica and Ray Lindholm about uh, their work in uh, helping to facilitate pre-Cana classes, marriage preparation classes, and and, uh, the great sanctity and the dignity of this sacrament of holy matrimony.
0: Peace and all good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta's own Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer will continue on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Thanks to the Catholic Foundation of North Georgia for a grant supporting this program. They work with Catholics to make a real difference in our Catholic community to support their individual causes. The Catholic Foundation is a partner of parishes, schools, ministries, and nonprofits in the Archdiocese of Atlanta.
4: Walking with Moms in Need is an initiative helping pregnant and parenting women in need. Get involved in supporting babies, moms, and moms-to-be. Learn
3: how you can help Walking with Moms in Need. Go to walkingwithmoms.com.
0: Peace and all good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta's own Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer, moderated by Father Michael Sillaway, continues now on AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio. We have Ray and Erica Lindholm in studio with us, and we're talking about the sacrament
1: of holy matrimony. And uh, Ray and Erica have been married for 20 blessed years, and they now take that experience of 20 years of married life and they put it to good use. Not just uh, for themselves and the, the betterment of their own relationship and their family, but also for engaged couples as couples are preparing for their own marriages themselves. And as, as we talk about marriage preparation and how you guys do that and your work with pre-Cana classes and everything, we wanted to kind of contextualize it with a framework. And if I'm not mistaken, this framework comes from Casti Canubi, more or less. Yes, yes. Of um, looking at preparation for, from remote and then proximate and then immediate and those kind of three levels, but giving context to all of it, kind of the most foundational is is to actually first look at what marriage is. How does the church define it? So Archbishop, I want to ask you, here's here's the definition of marriage from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. This is paragraph 1601. There's a a lot of big terms in here. It says, the matrimonial covenant by which a man and woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole of life is by its nature ordered toward the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. This covenant between baptized persons has been raised by Christ the Lord to the dignity of a sacrament. There's a lot of, of
2: church language in there. Can you unpack that for us a little bit? Well, it is a, really a perfect definition of what marriage is to be and what Christ intended it to be uh, by instituting it. Uh, if you start with the word covenant, uh, the definition begins by saying it's a matrimonial covenant. Covenant is not a word that we use in English in our time in society. It's, it's just not a word that's common to us. Uh, but it is truly a, a, an Old Testament word. And God established a covenant with his people. It's more than a deal. It's more than a, an agreement a covenant is based on love whereas a contract is based on law and so there is a big difference between law and love and and so the church defines matrimony or married married life as as love and it's a reflection of the the relationship between the father and the son and the father and the son and the spirit their relationship as trinity is based on love, love for each other. And and so covenant is, uh, is truly an appropriate word to talk about marriage because it isn't just legal. And some people today uh, are satisfied with it just being legal. But if it's based on love, then you bring your whole heart and soul into that relationship. And love re- requires us or uh, allows us or enables us or teaches us how to deal with each other. And in in John's gospel, we hear that God is love, and he who abides in God abides in love. And so the more godly we become, um, the more grace-filled we become, the more loving we become. And And so, you know, You know better than anyone, uh, parents of many children and uh, married 20 years, you know what love is. Um, But you're still learning about what love is. It's not something that you, you can learn and take the test and be completely knowledgeable. It's something you learn each and every day. Every day you get up in the morning, you're going to learn a new expression or experience of love. Especially with your children, but also between both of you.
4: Yeah, and if I can add, I think that um, the word love is very loaded, and I think a lot of times, like you know, when we when we are working with couples, we'll say, you know, in English, because my background is linguistics, we'll say, you know, we use love. I love pizza. I love grandma. You know, and so I think we really have to look at God is love. Well, what is love? We need to we under, need to understand what that word means. Um, before we can even kind of move on to, like, then how do I love another
2: person? It's a bond, you know? It's yeah. something that keeps us together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's why the ring is a great symbol of love, because there's no beginning and no end of it, yeah. like the Trinity. And and there's no seam, there's no broken part, or it's complete. And and that's the goal in married life, is to continue to work toward a completeness. Mm-hmm. And the second Uh, Word that's used in the definition in the Catechism deals with indissolubility, which means that it is lifelong. There's no, there's no getting out of it, so to speak. Uh, And if you if you understand, uh, Steve Covey um, has an expression that you begin with the end in mind, And, and and if you begin at the altar with the end in mind of of a lifelong relationship, fruit-filled, filled with challenges. Ray used the word, be not afraid, as a way of describing...
4: An adventure.
2: And an adventure, which it is. But, you know, to to have that sense of, um, yes, there's going to be challenges. That's life. You know, we're imperfect people. We're in an imperfect world. But we have a sacrament that has begun our married life together that's a... Covenant based on love, and, and that means forgiveness, that means consideration, that means mm-hmm. humility. It, it means all the things that are in Corinthians uh, mm-hmm. 1, uh, chapter 1, 13. Uh, and so it's often um, a way of us understanding what it takes to be in love with one another. The other uh, words that are used in that definition are, are, are called ordered Ordered to good of spouses, that, that's a word that's often misunderstood, um, because the opposite is called disordered, and 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 it, and it really is uh, problematic sometimes to to consider something that is uh, struggling or difficult to be called disordered. It's it's not. God makes married life as an ideal, as as something that's achievable. Um, that's an imitation of the relationship between Christ and the church. And it's indissoluble. In other words, God would never abandon us, no matter how poorly we performed and acted or messed up our life. God would never, never, never disavow us or to leave us uh, because he can't, because he's love. He has to love. He has no choice because he is love. He would not be who he is if he did not love us, regardless of what we've done to jeopardize that relationship. But on, on his part, he's there and he's not leaving. And, and and that's the kind of ordered uh way in which we should look upon the sacrament of marriage as something that is forever. And we even use the word in the in the in the vow formula, uh, until death do us part. Mm-hmm. And so if we go in with that if we begin with the end in mind that we this this relationship is only going to end in death then we will strive to make it as perfect as we can allowing for our differences but out of respect and love we come to a a, a way of dealing with whatever life presents to us and and we have that sense of orderedness or that way of looking at love as never-ending it's a sacrament. It's a source of grace. And we receive grace. Sometimes grace is hard to define, but I find that the easiest way to understand grace is that it is a greater share in God's life. And the more grace we receive through the sacraments, through good works, through charity, uh the more godlike we become. And the more godlike we become, uh the more love we have. And so it's it's cyclic. It's it's something that is It's all related and intertwined. So the definition of marriage is not as difficult as it might sound when you take it apart and look at the parts and listen to the words and understand the words. It truly is a wonderful recipe for a very fulfilling life. And so do not be afraid. But having heard that, does that reflect your understanding of marriage or how has your understanding of marriage changed from the day you— Took your vows to today, and all the things that have happened in the last twenty years, has your understanding of marriage grown, changed, been lightened, um, deepened, deepened? Yeah. Well. How yeah,
4: would... I, and I, I think you know when you first fall in love with someone, they can do no wrong. You know, um, you we're luckily uh, in agreement about so much. Like everything is rosy, and you know. He takes out his violin and plays, and I'm like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard, you know, play it again. And, you know, 20 years later, I'm like, oh, my God, please, you know, <laughs> put please the put the that away.
3: <laughs> Could you, you know? just maybe do that later? <laughs> yeah.
4: Um, you know, and I and I think that even with what I feel like is a firm foundation that Ray and I started with, it wasn't completely easy and without its challenges, but I felt like we had a really great start. Even with that, we've had to rely on God's grace. Without having that sacrament of marriage, we could not have sustained it ourselves. And so I think the the 20 years that we've been married, what I've seen is that there are going to be hard times, um, small ones, big ones, and you have to remember and rely that you know god is there he's not abandoning you he's going to give you that strength he's going to give you that consolation and and you're working together um i think adventure is such a great word for marriage because there's there's highs and lows and um there's some struggle but there's this ultimate um plan i don't know purpose Mm -hmm. that meaning that um that's worth it so when we were first married you know i didn't I didn't maybe anticipate how much we would need to rely on God's grace. And he's given us many opportunities to show us that he's there.
3: Well, and you know, I think that that's another advantage of being married young because you can conquer the world and nothing is impossible (laughs) and everything's laid out before you and everything's going to work out, you know, just like you plan it to. And you don't see all the, all the trials, tribulations, you don't see all the bumps in the road and, You know, it's a good thing because if you did, maybe you wouldn't you wouldn't go down that path. You know, I I think of uh, The Hobbit, you know, where Bilbo is reflecting on the reality of an adventure as opposed to what you read in books. Or maybe it's The Fellowship of the Ring when Frodo and Sam are talking about it. But it's 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 full of trial. Right. And that's why I love the I love the definition of marriage that the church gives to us. It's, it's so complete and every, every you said, you use the word recipe and that's what it is. You need each one of those components there. You know, it, it has to be indissoluble, right? Otherwise, when you're confronted with your partner that's forcing you to look at those ugly parts of yourself that really need to grow and change, you might run away Instead of looking at that and doing the hard work and growing and changing, you know, it has to be a bond Hmm. and it has to be a sacrament because ultimately it's the grace of God that is empowering us to, like, sometimes I feel like all we can do is just orient ourselves towards the good of God and then he's got to do the rest, (laughs) you know?
2: Well, that's that's what we call faith. Right. And uh, speaking of faith, Ray, how do you think your marriage would be different if you hadn't embraced the Catholic Church?
3: Oh, I think it'd be very different. Yeah. Yeah. When I first met Erica, the viewpoints that she would present, both her own and of the church, were so counter to the culture that I was fully embedded in, that it would be like, like looking at, um, you know, like what I imagine, like the African zoos and menageries in the, you know, Victorian uh, Europe, these people would come and they'd look you at these. Are calling your wife a freak show? <laughs> <laughs> Wild. And... But I mean, that's, that's how the world views that, that teaching of marriage, like, like a freak show, right? Or like, it's so foreign. And so I, I remember having that point of view and I'd be like, but, but really? Like, explain this to me, or how does that make sense? And and just, it's beautiful because it's so perfectly human. It describes all of our human aspects. But in a popular culture that is very anti-human, those two things don't communicate well together. And they can be hard to understand that, that no, this is pro-person, this is pro-marriage, this is for ordered towards your ultimate good and happiness. And I think it's because you're coming from an idea of love as an emotion, of love is what makes you feel warm and fuzzy and it makes you feel good. And, you know, that's how you do feel when you're in the very first stages of an adventure or of a relationship. But that provides no foundation for a mature person, much less a mature relationship, right? And so... Moving from that idea of love as an emotion to love as a choice, that I choose you and I choose your ultimate good. And no matter the cost, you know, and that that's all done under the ultimate love, which is the love of God for each of us, which is the only way that you can really accomplish it. So to answer your question, you know, without that understanding of faith, my my understanding of marriage is Completely different
2: you wouldn't have as much to share with each other if you didn 't share your faith mm-hmm. if you didn 't pray together if you didn 't go to mass together if you didn 't believe in God in the in the same way and share those those uh, beliefs with each other and express those beliefs through worship and and prayer and good works and charity and so forth you know there 's a lot of people that believe that we can 't you know it 's almost impossible to live with the same person for life. Mm-hmm because life is too long we live too long you know in the time of jesus if you lived to be 50 years old you were you were an old man an old woman but now we're being married for 50 years and living beyond that but it is impossible probably to live with the same person all your life unless god is a part of that relationship um to help you in those difficult times to to have something to hold on to that that is going to keep you from drowning you know mm-hmm. uh, from from falling from failing and, and so uh, it's unfortunate and, that more and more people young people are not getting married in church they're uh, there's choosing a civil marriage e- even catholics destination weddings are more important than church weddings um because of the background the scenery the you know mm-hmm. the destination whatever it is but what they're missing the whole point and and that comes to preparing couples and and this is what you do and you've you've devoted your married life and you've shared your married life with other young people who are you know anticipating marriage preparing for marriage longing and waiting for marriage uh, and so you've given um a wonderful ministry to young people by expressing and sharing your own marriage experiences, but also some catechesis about what marriage is. You wanna share a little bit about how you got into that ministry of helping uh, young couples prepare for marriage uh, and what they really need to consider uh, about what
3: marriage is. Well, for me, it was a woman that got me into it.
2: (laughs) That's what Adam said.
4: (laughs) You know, I think I realized, how invaluable the formation that we got before we got married, what that was. And and again, before I met Ray, you know, I, I was seriously considering being a sister because I was like, I want to bring Christ to the world. I think it was, um, a unique challenge for me that I needed to become a, a wife and a mother. And I've learned so much through that, um, that I think I, I needed specifically, but I realized, okay, I can take this role, this vocation that I have, and obviously still bring Christ to the world within, like, a domain that is really important to me, which is kind of understanding the human person. And where does the human person come from? It, it, he or she comes from the family. And where does the family come from? It comes from a marriage. And I wanted to share what had been given to me um, with other couples. And I knew that Preparing couples for marriage would be a a way to secure their success. You know, we spend so much time preparing for our career. We spend so much money really preparing f- for this. and and, like you said, w- when the Catholic belief is that you're that sacramental marriage is for your whole life. And yet, how much time, how much money do couples put into that? You know, there is so much, Even with us, you know, being poor college kids, there was so much time and energy and money that we had spent into the wedding ceremony. Um, And I think that you're kind of walking into a a marathon or a battle. And how well are you going to do if you're not prepared? So um, that became near and dear to me. And so now um, I don't so much drag Ray with me to to the (laughs) chancery, no. I just like
3: the image of our marriage as a battle and a marathon. Yes, (laughs) you know, but, you
4: know, like, think of that victory. I've never run a marathon. I'm not a runner. But, I, you know, when I see these photos of people crossing that finish line, whether it, like, nearly killed them to get across that finish line or whether Mm -hmm. they were just able to really uh, rock it out with the training that they had. And, you know, there's just this sense of accomplishment. I think it does well to build up who you are you took something on and you conquered it i think it's a beautiful analogy for right. for being what you, married what,
2: what do you what do you tell couples when you are participating in marriage preparation what are some of the points that you like to bring out uh, for them to think about and reflect on
4: you know it might help to just kind of lay out how we do marriage prep here at the chancery it's a two-day program the first day is a lot of the practical information that couples need uh, communication conflict resolution building a, a mission statement for your marriage and family and um, we really walk them through maybe some questions and and topics they've already discussed and but a lot of times they haven't yeah. and it's great to kind of catch them there and relax like to say look this is the beginning of the conversation this is not just your you know seven hours and then you're done this is the beginning um and then the second day um is more of that the theological understanding of marriage so the first day is called Living a Joy-Filled Marriage. And the second day is God's Plan for a Joy-Filled Marriage. So we do a lot of the practical stuff because that's of interest to us.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's it's fun, I think, to see the couples come in in the morning and, and they're kind of, um, they don't know what to expect.
4: And maybe some of them don't really a want to be there. I a lot of them
3: are yeah. expecting to um, be preached at. Yes. And um, kind of have like doctrine shoved down their throat And a lot of them are, they're living together, you know, a lot of them are living a popular conception of modern relationship and and, and marriage. And so when they come there and they find out that we're presenting them the teaching of the church, and the teaching of the church is very pro-relationship and pro-them, and this is how the church understands human beings, that, you know, you are bringing your temperament to the table. You're bringing your past family experiences to the table. You're taking two separate individuals and you're combining it into one. And, you know, what's going to facilitate you doing that successfully? We talk um, about marriage research and we talk about marriage experts and then um, show them how that perfectly and seamlessly fits with what the church teaches about marriage then at the end of the day, they fill out these uh, reviews for their experience. And a very common comment that we get is that um, it wasn't what they were expecting. They really are glad that, that they went through the process. Yeah. I think a lot of it is um, presenting to them tools that they will be able to hopefully continue to develop to have a successful and, and happy and meaningful Marriage. You know, one of the things that I tell them is that we're all searching for ultimate meaning in our lives, uh, whether it's in our career or in our uh, extracurricular endeavors. Um, We're searching for meaning. And for most of us, the most meaningful thing that we're going to do is to be married and have that connection. And especially for them in the room, I say, you know, maybe one of you guys will cure cancer. Or maybe one of you guys will have some amazing overarching meaning. But for the vast majority, this relationship is going to be the most meaningful thing in your life. It's going to be what brings meaning to your existence and and drives you to act in your life. It's a way of looking at that relationship that a lot of them maybe haven't done before.
1: So as you're doing marriage preparation, Mm -hmm. um... Like marriage preparation begins well before the engagement, well before they show up in your class here at the Chancery. Mm -hmm. What are these phases of marriage preparation?
4: Well, I'd like to say you dropped the uh, Castica Nubi um, earlier, and I'm guessing many people won't know what that is. But it's an encyclical written by Pope uh, Leo XI. Wait, did I say that right? Oh He's Pius. Pius the 12th Sorry. Yeah. No, Pius 11th Pius the XI. Uh-huh. December 31st, 1930. <laughs> I have six kids. I have to make sure I get this stuff right. So what this is is a encyclical, right? Um, something that a Pope, a letter he writes um to an audience. And this one is all about being married. The English translation we have is chaste wedlock. So like and it's an amazing document that gets hardly any coverage. And, I mean, it's very, very heady, it's very wordy, like an encyclical usually is, but um, within this document, aside from talking about the origin of marriage and what marriage is, it talks about marriage preparation. And it says, you know, there's this remote preparation, which is when children are in the family and they can perceive the relationship with their parents, you know, what family life looks like. Uh, Maybe they're, you know, Hopefully they are um, have a great sense of security of that bond between their mom and dad. And so that's kind of remote, like kind of setting the stage of what does married life look like. Um, and then the document goes on to talk about proximate preparation that's done closer to the time when they're going to get married. I like to think of that proximate preparation not when they already know who it is that they want to propose to or who they're engaged to, but I, I think really in adolescence, like late adolescence maybe, like when they're really kind of figuring out who they are, um, what their vocation is, and, and that preparation that needs to be like what does married life look like more specifically, right? Like uh, who do I want to be as a partner to someone else? And then um, I kind of coined this term immediate preparation um, because then I think that's who we are working with. Okay, there's this, you're already engaged – I would love to do education for, for people who, you know, want to get married, but they're not engaged yet. Like maybe do all of this work and then decide if you're, you know, you want to get married. But um, right. there's this immediate preparation of like, OK, now that I've chosen the person I want to marry to spend my life with, what is that work in preparation that we need to do to be successful?
1: That's where you get into a lot of the nuts and bolts yeah. of finances and communication right. and mm-hmm. family of origin Situations, whatnot. right? Right. Yes. There are so many more things we could talk about today, and we could dive into. Archbishop, I wanted to ask you about, and I know we don't have time to go into it at all. But Pope Francis recently announcing that he's making proposals for a year-long marriage preparation, as he's calling mm-hmm. it, a marriage catechumenate.
2: Yeah, and and as Jessica said, you know, we we spend so much time deciding what college we're going to go to or what career we're going to uh, pursue, and and really, in comparison we spend such little time in preparing for a lifelong covenant with another person. And and Pope Francis wants us to think about that and to spend much more time in preparing for a lifelong relationship uh, in the sacrament of marriage than, than we do. Many times what, what happens is the first thing they want to do is to choose the date so they can choose the hall, right. so that mm-hmm. they can choose the church. And they spend the whole year getting ready for the wedding in terms of guest lists and menus and, and music, it can be one of the most tense times in the couple's relationship mm-hmm. is the preparation for marriage. And so they're not really that interested many times in listening to what we might have to say to them during this these eight or nine months before their marriage. So Pope Francis says, we, we want you to think about the important things about the decision you're making and the faith that you share and the faith that you know about marriage and about you know the sacramental life of the church that will sustain your marriage it's it'll feed your marriage it'll strengthen your marriage those are the things that he wants us to help couples understand and to think about and that's what you do in your marriage preparation unfortunately it's it's often too close to the marriage date mm-hmm. and there's so many other things going on in their life that it may may not be as effective as it could be if it was done earlier mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and so even if we just teach marriage as as you say the the proximate preparation for marriage would be to look at your parents' marriage, look at other people that you admire uh, and their marriage, and what is it that works, what is it that you see in them that they see in each other? Those things should be talked about even before someone thinks about their own marriage Mm -hmm. yes Uh, and that's what you help other young couples do and uh, as the Archbishop of the Archdiocese I want to thank you for that ministry that you provide our young people who are preparing for marriage and especially those um, you know who are deeply longing for a deeper meaning of what the sacrament of marriage is and why it is so important uh, to receive that sacrament uh, Mm -hmm. to begin your married life together
4: Thank you for being our shepherd.
2: It's my pleasure. Thank you. Friends, if you're interested in finding out more information about
1: marriage preparation programs in the Archdiocese of Atlanta, we'll put the link to the Archdiocese page of wonderful resources uh, in the show description today. So, um, again, Erica and Ray, we are so grateful that you were able to join us in studio today. Archbishop, pleasure to be with you as well. Before we go, would you give us your blessing?
2: Sure. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you kindly and grant you his peace. And may
0: Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This has been Peace and All Good with the Archdiocese of Atlanta Zone, Archbishop Gregory John Hartmeyer. brought to you in part by the Catholic Foundation of North Georgia. Thanks for listening to AM 1160, The Quest.